You're listening to audio from Park Church. More info and resources are online at parkchurch.org. Take care. Good morning. Welcome to Park Church. My name is Gary. I'm one of the pastors here at Park Church. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm going to do the scripture reading this morning from Galatians chapter 4. We're going to read Galatians 4, only one verse this morning that I'll be reading. Galatians 4, verse 19. Uh, This is, uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one in the pew back in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at home, we invite you to take one of those home with you as a gift, or we have some other Bibles back at the info table we'd love to give you as well. And so, uh, again, the scripture reading is going to come from Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a community of Christians in a place called Galatia, a region called Galatia. And, uh, And he says this to them, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. This is the word of the Lord. We, uh, we are beginning uh, this year, every year, we have a short series throughout the month of January to focus on what we call pastoral words for the new year. And so we just create some space to kind of step back and say, Lord, what, what do you want to be speaking to us as a church family in this season? What do you want to do in us? Are there specific words uh, that you would want to speak into the community? So normally we're working through books of the Bible. Uh, We've been working through Matthew now for a couple of years. Throughout the season of Advent, we take some time to look at uh, different scriptures that bring us into this sort of dissonance as we kind of look as a community that's looking at the presence of Jesus, but also still this awareness that he has not yet come to restore all things. We take four weeks to lean into the tension and the dissonance of Advent. And then now we're in the season called Christmas Tide. In the 12 days of Christmas, we're celebrating the incarnation of Jesus and the glory of God becoming a human to dwell among us. And it's in this season, and as we go into January and Epiphany, that we just want to slow down and say, God, what do you want to speak to us in this season? And in Galatians, uh, this passage in particular is coming from Paul, a pastor who had planted this church and who had led many people to Christ in this region. He's sharing his heart for this community that Christ would be formed within them. His hunger, his passion, that Christ would be formed within this community. And so we're going to talk about what that means as we go into this new year in our heart as a pastoral team for our church family over this coming year. What does it look like for Christ to be formed within us? What does that mean and how does that happen in our lives. Um, I'm going to pray for us, but before we do, I just want to again acknowledge uh, just some of the complexities even as we enter into a new year right now. Uh, Many people in our community have lost their homes, especially in Boulder County. Uh, So many people that lost their homes over the past year. Uh, I have some connections of some folks that lost their homes and just the the weight uh, of what has been lost and the grief that many, many people in Boulder County are facing right now is so significant. So, so many of you stepped up when we sent out an email to offer your homes and places for people to come and live and stay uh, as people rebuild. And we just appreciate that. I think everybody in our community that was evacuated has been taken care of. Nobody that's plugged into our church lost homes. We're so grateful. And we'll keep leaning into other ways. Uh, There's going to be a lot of opportunities to support the rebuilding process in Boulder County uh, for months and months to come. And so thanks for those that leaned in. I want to take a moment and pray for those families. Also, as Joel mentioned, just the shootings that happened uh, last week uh, in West Denver, it's just heavy, heavy things. Uh, and there's a, a good friend of mine lost uh, a coworker uh, through those shootings and just the kind of senseless grief 
in the midst of all of that, that you're just kind of like processing out of nowhere. These things that just keep happening again and again. You just feel aware of the heaviness and the weight. And, and I feel aware that God wants to meet people to comfort the grieving. And so let's just take a moment. We'll pray for that community. Um, also, I want to thank the kids for being in here uh, with us this morning. We don't have park kids going on today. And so thank you for the kids that are present with us. I want to say to all the kids in the room, we're grateful for you. Do you know that? We, yes, Woo is right. Yeah, we're grateful uh, for the children. Do you know that we as adults are, Jesus told us to learn from you, uh, to learn more about who he is and what it means to follow him by the way we watch you live and uh, by who you are. And so we're just grateful for each of you. Um, we're going to take a moment and pray for all these things and pray that God's spirit would guide us uh, as we walk into this morning. So would you join me as we calm our hearts before the God who's with us? Um, Jesus, we right now uh, just confess the reality that we've been celebrating in this Christmas season, that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. You are the God who is with us in incredible loss, whether uh, with those who have lost loved ones, uh, through these shootings, you are with us and with those comforting those who have lost property and homes and memories uh, of things and just the grief that's involved in the loss of a home. Uh, you're with those of us who have lost loved ones due to the pandemic and the continual challenge of friends and family members that are struggling with uh, just battles uh, for health and for wellness in the midst of a lot of struggles. Uh, you're with us in these ways that are painful, but you're with us. You're also with us through the beauty of children, through the sweetness of the kids that are around us all the time. Would we be a community that sees your beauty and your grace through these little images of God, uh, that, that children are showing us something about your glory in unique and beautiful ways? Would you help us to honor them, to value them, to love them, and pour out your grace on the kids that are with us today, whether here or online, that your nearness would be felt to them, uh, that they would know that they're loved by this community and that they're loved by you. And in all the beauty and all the brokenness, God, would we know your presence and would you, through these things, beautiful moments and painful moments, encouraging moments and confusing moments, would you shape us, would you form us, and would you allow this moment at the beginning of a new year to be a piece in our journey where we are increasingly being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of the world, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, every year around this time, so many in our own community, including myself, but also so many in society at large, just take time to kind of evaluate, to assess, to reflect and look back on what has come the year before and to consider what God might be doing in our lives or want for us in the year to come. And so in broader society, this is a time where there's a lot of reevaluation, kind of a reset button that people hit every year. So if you were to go to Tattered Cover, which hopefully you've been to the new Tattered Cover, you should still go to real bookstores. They're valuable and meaningful, and Tattered Cover is pretty great, iconic place here in Denver. Uh, the new location is beautiful. If you were to go to Tattered Cover, you would see kind of at the kind of entryway now, every time around this year, a lot of kind of self-help help books, like books that are about people wanting to reset and think about what do they want to do? What do they want to accomplish? What do they want to achieve? If you were to look online at some of these books, here are some of the titles you would begin to see. And this just shows these are the things that right now at this season of life, so many people are craving and hungry for. How do I improve who I am or improve kind of, uh, or make progress in my goals? And so here are some of the, the top titles right now. Uh, number one, Power Hour, how to focus on your goals and create a life you love. 
Another popular book now is Please Yourself, How to Stop People-Pleasing and Transform the Way You Live. Another uh, popular book for years now has been Untamed, Stop Pleasing and Start Living. Another book is called The Comfort Book. One of the descriptions on The Comfort Book says this is like a hug in hardcover form. So if you just need a hug, this is your book. Like read the book and it'll feel like a, a hug. Atomic Habits or A Monk's Guide to Happiness. There's one called The Miracle Morning, Six Habits That Will Transform Your Life Before 8 a.m. Or anything by Brene Brown. Right now, Brene Brown is braving the wilderness. There's another one, Good Vibes, Good Life, How Self-Love is the Key to Unlocking Your Greatness. These are the things that, if you just walk in and say, what, what are the things that people in society are craving and hungry for and spending money to say, help me understand how to improve my life, how to have a better 2022 than 2021, how to make progress in my goals. And I'm not actually trying to speak down on any of these. I'm just saying this is the sort of milieu that you live in. This is the sort of environment that we live in. Around this time of year, human beings are taking a, a moment to stop and consider where they're at and where they want to be. And I think that instinct is really healthy. I think that instinct to say, where am I at and where do I want to be is really healthy because the reality is human beings are dynamic. We are dynamic beings. We are always on the move. We are always being shaped. We are always being formed. The question that we have to ask is what is shaping us? What is forming us? And what are we being formed into? This year, you will change. Things about you will change. There are probably some things about you that will calcify, some things about you that will kind of dig deeper ruts. There are some things that will kind of change and you'll drift in areas that you didn't want to go. You'll grow in areas that were unexpected. You will change. The question that we have to ask is what will we change into and what will participate in that? Will we be intentional about the ways that we change? We are dynamic. We are changing. The question is, are we going to be intentional about it? What I love about what Paul says here in Galatians, he says a similar thing in, in to the believers in Colossae, and you can read about it in Colossians chapter 1, is Paul's deep heart as a pastor and as a preacher and as an apostle is that Christ would be formed within the Galatians, that Christ would be formed within his people. So if you were to kind of back up and look at uh, kind of Paul's own journey, Paul had kind of come to the region of Galatia. He proclaimed Christ. The gospel was spreading. There are all these people that had started following Jesus and they were hungry for him. And something happened in their journey as followers of Jesus. New narratives were coming in. New teachings were making their way. Society was pushing and kind of applying these different pressures. And they had sort of veered off course. They had lost sight of Jesus. They had lost sight of the grace of God. They had lost sight of the goodness of the gospel. They started kind of trying to strive and build their own life in a different way, different than what they had learned through Paul and through the kind of early apostolic movement. And they started veering off course. And Paul writes this letter to them to kind of express his sadness, like, what bewitched you? What deceived you? What led you off course? Because you, you have made a kind of hard left turn and are veering in the wrong direction. And he's expressing his heart to help them get back to the gospel, back to the grace of God, the love of God in Christ Jesus, and to learn how to follow him with faith and to trust in his gracious presence with them. And in the middle of this letter, he calls them, my little children. Like my, my, my children, this pastoral affection he has for them. And he says this, and I want you to read it and hear it again. His, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He says, I am again 
in the anguish of childbirth. What does that mean? He's, he's bringing this metaphor of motherhood to his relationship with these Christians, and he's saying, my heart for you, my affection for you, my desire for you to be who God designed you to be, I'm entering again into these painful spaces where I am willing to sacrifice and to lay down my life to see something happen within you, to see you become who you're designed to be. And the word here at the center of this passage is this idea of Christ being formed within them is another metaphor that comes from childbirth. It's the idea of the formation of this embryo becoming a human being, this embryo, this kind of human being in embryonic state that's going to come to this kind of full fruition at birth. And Paul's saying the kind of pains that we're going through as a community to see something grow within you, to see Christ kind of grow up within you, that you would finally be who God has called you to be and designed you to be, that you'd be a mature picture of Jesus in the world. I want to read to you what he says to the believers in Colossae because it's similar. This is from Colossians chapter 1. He's talking about how he's suffering for them and he's laying down his life for them because God had called him to be a minister of the gospel. He says to them, to, to you Christians, the saints, God chose to make known how great among the nations are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him, Jesus, we proclaim to you. We are warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Paul's heart for the followers of Jesus that he had a relationship with wasn't just that people would believe in Jesus and be reconciled to God and go to heaven when they die. Paul's heart wasn't just that, like, they could plant more churches really rapidly. Paul's heart wasn't merely that they would kind of, like, be a light to other people. Paul's heart for them is that something would happen, that there'd be a process of transformation, that the followers of Jesus would grow and mature as image bearers of God, that they would grow and mature as those who reflect God's character and grace through their unique personality and giftings. He was desperate, not just for people to come to faith in Christ, but for people to be formed into the image of Christ. And that's what I want to talk about just for a moment today. As a pastoral team, our heart for this community is that Christ would be formed within you. Not that you'd attend church on Sundays, not that you'd go to a gospel community, not merely that you'd serve the city in tangible ways, not merely that you'd read the Bible or learn information. Our heart for you is that Christ would be formed within you, that you would mature as a follower of Jesus, that you would mature into a person who shows the world something about what God is like by the way he's changing you, that you would make progress on your process to be conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of the world. That's our heart for you. That you would make progress this year of all the things you could focus on. You can focus on financial goals, healthy and good. You could focus on emotional health, healthy and good. Therapies, good. You can focus on relationships, healthy, good. You can focus on career goals. That's okay, that's good. But would you give energy to focusing on what it would look like to become who God has made you to be? to actually grow and mature as a follower of Jesus. Because if you don't focus on that and prioritize that, you will end this year not becoming who you're designed to be. You will be caught up in the winds and the waves of doctrines that surround us and our surrounding community. You'll be swept up in narratives. You will fall into behaviors and practices and into the kinds of relationships that will deform you in dehumanizing destructive ways. And you have an opportunity right now to step back and say, God, 
I want to grow and mature as a follower of Jesus. I want to make progress in this process of becoming more like Jesus for the sake of the world. That's our heart for you. And so I want to talk about what is God's goal for you in this kind of process of spiritual formation? How does that happen? And what can we do to pursue that? What can we do to pursue that? You are becoming somebody. I want to look back at my life a year from now and say, God grew things within me. He matured things within me. He pruned things out of me. He rebuked me in ways. He challenged me in ways. He disciplined me in ways. He encouraged me in ways. He strengthened me in ways. He changed me to be more like Jesus. And I want to look out at our community and that you could say the same thing about your life. A year from now, God matured stuff within me. He grew things within me. There's new fruit in my life that I haven't seen before, new areas where God is at work and that we would be able to do that, not just for our own sake, that we as a church would be mature picture of Jesus in this city, that we would love and serve this city in ways that show the glory of God in mature and healthy ways. And so what I want to do is just take a few minutes to talk about this process of spiritual formation, what it, what it is, what the goal of it is, how it happens, and how we can participate. Um, I want to encourage you, actually, we're going to focus on this one word here in Galatians uh, 4.19. And, uh, and kind of unpack it a little bit from a few different places in Scripture. And it's this word, formed. Again, Paul says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. Uh, the goal of the Christian life is to be formed into the image of Christ for the sake of the world. It's to be formed into the image of Christ for the sake of the world. We're going to talk about what that means. You are created as a human being to show the world what God's like. So in Genesis 1, talk about being an image bearer of God. You're designed as a human being to actually live in this world, to exercise dominion, to cultivate the world, to actually show the world what God's like by the way you sacrificially love others, the way you relate to God and to other people, and the way you operate in the world to use the gifts that God's given you sacrificially for the sake of the common good of other people around us. You were designed for that. And that happens when we walk in relationship with God, experiencing intimacy with God. It happens when we express humility and honor and grace towards one another, and where we sacrificially use our lives for the good of one another. And, And the whole biblical story takes this hard turn when humanity started to reject the reign of God, push away from his presence. Because of that rebellion, we're separated from his presence. In that separation, now we're trying to posture over one another. We climb and we claw. We get competitive. We try to lift ourselves up at the expense of others instead of laying our lives down for the good of others. We use our jobs and vocation to build our own sense of identity and worth. We use our ingenuity to create security for ourselves, protect ourselves, defend ourselves, uplift ourselves. All these kind of like self-interested things to kind of push ourselves up. And so even the sort of natural human instincts to kind of pursue, you know, all these self-help books are all about like, you know, kind of going your own way, doing your own thing. You become the best version of you. There's something good about the instinct, but something so bent about the nature of the whole thing, because it's so much about me making progress towards who I need to be, versus actually understanding the root cause, the root brokenness, and that's what Jesus came to address. So Jesus coming into this world is not coming merely to reconcile people to God, not coming merely to get people eternal life in heaven. He's coming to actually restore humanity to who we are designed to be, which includes forgiving us of our sins through his death on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins on the cross, washing us, cleansing us, atoning for us, so that we could be reconciled to the God who made us, 
so that we could, by his power, become who we are designed to be, that we could actually be fully human. So when we say our mission is to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and the joy of all people, what we're saying, our mission is to help you become more fully human, who humans were designed to be. The mission of Jesus is very much a mission towards rehumanizing the world, helping us be who we're designed to be by reconciling us to God, forgiving us of our sins, abiding in us through his spirit, and empowering us to do what we're designed to do. And so the question we're asking right now is, how does that process happen between when you first come to faith in Jesus, you experience forgiveness, you experience God's presence and his grace, you have this hope of eternal life with him, but the process from being who you are to who you are made to be is a process. It's a process of being transformed into the image of Christ for the sake of the world. And so I want you to see this in Romans chapter 8. If you want to flip over there, it'll be worth it. It'll kind of hone in on this word again. In Galatians, that word formed is this word morpho, and that word has a big place in Paul's letter to the Romans. This is Romans chapter 8, an iconic passage, um, really well known for a lot of different reasons. Um, This is Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 28 and go through verse 30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. That according to his purpose is so significant. What is the purpose of God? What is the purpose of God? It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. He's saying God is on a mission to enter into human history. This is a mission that he established before the foundation of the world. He determined to know people, to enter into relationship with them, to transform them, to declare them righteous, and to transform them into the image of his son, to grow them up and to restore everything that has been broken to this place of glory. And we are in this moment where we experience God's grace to us to actually declare us righteous before him, and he is at work in us to do what he designed and destined us to do, to transform us into the image of his son. That word transform is sumorpho, which just means to form into the same image. So he's saying, here's Jesus, this image of God, and my mission for you, the reason why I entered into human history, to justify and redeem you, is to transform you, to change you, to actually shape you into a better, more mature picture of who I am in this world, a picture that's been bent by human rebellion in the world. And then if you turn over to Romans chapter 12, the word shows up again, a little bit different again. This is Paul after talking about all of God's mercy and grace. He appeals to these Christians. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, because of the mercies of God, present your body, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul's saying because of God's mercy to you, because of God's grace towards you, 
Because Jesus came into the world and he loved us and he was righteous and without sin and full of grace and full of kindness and he was the perfect human and yet he laid down his life. He shed his blood to forgive us, to redeem us, to atone for our sin, to reconcile us to God. Because of all of that mercy, offer up your whole life and say, here I am, God. What do you want to do in my life? He says, here's what he wants to do. Don't be conformed to the world. So don't morph into the value systems and the patterns of the world, the narratives and the behaviors and the systems of the world that is set opposed to the reign of God, but be transformed. The word there is metamorpho, to meta, like where we get the word metamorphosis, this kind of to actually experience a transformation to become who you're designed to be. That the Christian journey is very much a process of transformation. That there are parts of who you are that need to die. There are parts of what you value that you need to let go of. There are behaviors in your life that are leading you into destructive patterns. There are ways we think that need to be shifted and changed. And the process of the Christian life is letting those mental patterns shift. So the word, kind of this idea of a shifting in the way we're thinking, right? Is this word of repent, repentance, like this kind of metanaeo, which is the changing in the way you're thinking? It's a changing in the way you're living. It's a changing in your value system. It's a changing in your behaviors. That there are things that God wants to change within us by the power of his Holy Spirit to actually transform us to be who we were designed to be. This is God's vision and passion for your life is that you would change. And and the problem that I, I feel in my own life is that when I'm not intentional about who God's calling me to be, when I'm not intentional about what it looks like to pursue him, to be transformed, I get swept up. But there are so many times in my life that I can look at a whole year and just look at, man, I wasn't growing and maturing. I felt stuck and stagnant. There are times where I just look at months of just like darkness and kind of like a kind of no intentionality, no real pursuit of God. I feel like a weariness in me. I feel disconnected. There are times where I look at kind of moments in my life and, and seasons in my life where I just feel like, man, I'm not like being transformed in the image of Christ. I feel like I'm getting swept up in the narratives of the world and value systems. And there are moments where I have this kind of reset time where God is convicting me of something, saying, hey, there's, there are things I want to do within you. There are things I want to grow within you and form within you. And there's a shifting that takes place and say, God, I want to pursue you. I want to pursue your purposes. I want to let you kind of surrender to your purposes in my life to change me and transform me into who you've designed me to be. And it's a process. Uh, there's a book by a guy named Rob, Robert Mulholland. It's called Invitation to a Journey. And here's how he defines this process of spiritual formation. He says, it's a process of being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of the world. It's a process of being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of the world. And I love that line, a process. It's a process. It's something that doesn't happen in a moment. It doesn't happen in a day. It doesn't happen in a year. It happens over the long haul of life of being transformed or conformed or formed into the image of Christ for the sake of the world. And that that phrase, being formed or being conformed or being transformed is significant. It's this passive phrase that's saying it's something that's being done to you that you actually have a role and a responsibility in. So if you look back at Romans chapter 12, look at what it says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. It's actually weird. It's a, it's a passive imperative. Passive meaning it's something that's happening to you. Imperative is something you're commanded to do. So how does that work? How do you like be commanded 
to have something happen to you? How do you be commanded to kind of be transformed? What does that look like? And so we're going to talk about over the next few weeks what that looks like, about our dependence on the presence of God, our dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit, but also the activity that we have to actually pursue this process of sanctification. What I want to talk about today is how we participate in it. How do we participate in this process of sanctification? Uh, There are so many ways of thinking about how people change and so many ways we pursue it. Uh, You will not change merely through information transfer. Just by learning more information, you won't like learn more information and magically change. You won't magically change just by kind of behavioral modification. Like if I just do these things instead of these things, I'll magically change. You won't magically change just through coming to a church service on a Sunday or going through gospel community. You won't magically change even through prayer. I know many, many people who have spent every day in God's word and scripture, every day in prayer, and who are still angry, resentful, bitter, jaded people. Have you ever met somebody like that? They know theology, read the Bible, pray, show up at church every time the doors are open, but not a mature, healthy picture of Jesus in the world at all. At all. There are times where I'm in the Word day in, day out, and I don't feel full of the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience. I'm sure the same, same, same thing's true for you. So what does that process look like? You know, Joel was reading earlier today John chapter 15, which I think is one of the most beautiful passages where Jesus is actually inviting people to an experience of growth, of fruitfulness. And the way he says that we're going to experience fruitfulness is by abiding in Christ. Actually spending time with him in this relationship where the Spirit of God is at work within us to grow in us new values, new loves, new desires, to convict us of areas where we're walking in unhealthy ways, to change the way we're thinking about stuff, to equip us and grow new kind of fruit within us, that there's an abiding that happens, but there's activity we have in that to actually pursue the presence of Jesus. And so what I want to talk about today is a framework that uh, I'm pulling largely from a church in Portland called Bridgetown Church. Some of you are familiar with John Mark Comer. He wrote books like The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, But the, the formation model that they talk about is classic. It's ancient. It's not new. I just think they frame it a really healthy an accessible way. So I just want to take a couple minutes and talk about how do you actually change? If you were to step back this week, in this first week of 2022, and say, God, I want you to grow something within me. I want to mature as a follower of Jesus. I want Christ to be formed in me. What is your participation in that like? And so here's the framework. Number one, all of it is dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit at work within you. All of it. Apart from the presence of God and the power of God, we can accomplish nothing. There will be no human being that will end their life and say, look at all the ways, God, that I worked really hard to be perfect. Aren't you proud of me for all the work I did? Like, God will say, I I never knew you, right? The the New Testament's full of stories. God, did did we not do this and do this and do this and all these things in your name? We did all this for you. And he's like, I never knew you. I wasn't in relationship with you. That spiritual formation happens first and foremost by God's gracious presence with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. That when we trust in Jesus and the Spirit of God comes upon us, you are now a recipient of the very power of God at work within you. And God will begin immediately convicting you of new things, guiding you in ways, challenging your thinking. You got really mad at somebody and you said some harsh word and that night you're laying in bed and you feel gross about it. That's the Spirit of God at work within you 
say, you're supposed to make that right. You're supposed to repent of that and go talk to that person and say, I'm so sorry for what I said to you and the way I behaved. This is how transformation happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so underneath these next three things that we can be involved in, all of it is dependent on the power of the Spirit. And again, Joel will talk more next week about, in the Highlands here, about the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. But the things that we can participate in actively are, are three. Number one, pursuing truth. Pursuing truth. Um, God's word is truth. He's revealed to himself, to, he's revealed himself to us in his the nature of humanity, what we exist for, what his presence in the world is like. And we live in a world with competing narratives. We live in a world where there are ideas about who you are as a human being, ideas about where the world came from, ideas about what your body is for, ideas about what marriage is for, ideas about what parenting is supposed to be like, ideas about the way you're supposed to use your money and the way you're supposed to engage in vocation. There are all these ideas that are swimming around in the world and you're around them all the time. And many of those ideas are contrary and different than the way God designed humanity. And if you're going to grow as a follower of Jesus, you need to be like just swimming in the truth of God's words, that his word and his truth is permeating your life. And so that means everything from a Sunday morning to waking up in the morning and spending time reading God's word in your own, to learn, to grow, to learn more about who God is and what he's designed you for, to learn more about his design for your relationships, his design for your vocation, his design for your body, his design for the way you relate in the midst of conflict, his design for your life. The word of God and pursuing the truth of God through the word is a crucial component of the process of transformation. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through God's word. But the truth of God's word is not sufficient for transformation. You can know the Bible inside and out and not change, and not grow. Again, spiritual formation is more than information transfer. So another component of spiritual formation is Christian community. To actually be around other human beings that are learning with you to follow Jesus. A part of what happened when humanity rebelled against the reign of God, and humanity as a whole is separated from God, we begin building new civilizations, new societies, with new value systems. And we live in those value systems where we are constantly being shaped by other narratives, other values, and the peers around us. If you think about kind of in your human development process, when you're going into maybe junior high, you begin this process where your peers will have a massive formative impact on your life. What your friends value, what your friends pursue, the habits that your friends live into, the way your, friend, the way your friends think will continue to shape you in really significant ways. And the goal of Christian formation is not to detach you from non-Christian community, but it is to say, to pay attention to the ways you're engaged in Christian community. Are you around people that will show you love and encouragement? Are you around people that would challenge you about the way you're operating in your life and the way you're living? Are you around people that will pray for you? Are you around people that can set an example to you and say, I want to be like that person, just the way they're following Jesus or the way that marriage the way they operate as a married couple, like I want to be around that more. I want to see examples and be encouraged and be challenged and be able to be around people that I can be honest with about my failures and they can love me and point me to God's grace and kindness. I want to be around people that I can be weak in front of and they can show kindness and grace and acceptance to me in in the reality of who I am. I want to be around a gospel-centered community that can love me and challenge me and shape me and grow me. And so that I can go back into my workplace and I can go back into my neighborhood and be light in the world, that I wouldn't be conformed to the world, that I could be transformed 
and I could walk into the world as a transformed, mature, resilient follower of Jesus that could actually be a light to the world. We need Christian community. And so as you think about this next year, thinking about how am I going to swim in God's truth? How am I going to feast on God's word? How am I going to surround myself with the truth of God? But also, how am I going to surround myself with the people of God? With Christian community that can encourage me and challenge me towards growth in Christ. A third component to spiritual formation is practices. Practices. Uh, We call these sometimes rhythms of life, spiritual habits, habits of life. Uh, We will call them at times kind of liturgies. And the word liturgies is just kind of an old word to talk about the rhythms of life that kind of draws attention to the fact that your rhythms of life, your habits of life are shaping what you love. The habits of your life shape what you love. And so when you come in here on a Sunday morning, we have a liturgy. And here's the liturgy. You'll walk in on a Sunday morning, and when you come and the service begins, we will do a call to worship. We will lift up this big picture of who God is in the world. And, uh, and we'll kind of call you through this Father and the Son and the Spirit to enter into this space of worship. And as we walk into worship, we're going to be reminding you as a community through the liturgy that we all fall short of God's glory. When we stand before this holy God, we all come in and we're all a mess. We've all got weaknesses. We've all got brokenness. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. And so we together, every Sunday, confess our sin. We acknowledge the reality that we are not who God designed us to be. We do that every Sunday to kind of embed that into your like mental faculties. Like we are not who God designed us to be. And then we'll have somebody read over you an assurance of pardon that because of God's grace in Christ, you are forgiven, that there's grace and there's mercy available for you in Christ to be accepted by God quite apart from your sin. Call it the assurance of pardon. Well, somebody will say, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We read that. And then we'll walk into this scripture reading where somebody opens up scripture and they're reading from the Bible and they'll finish and they'll say, this is the word of the Lord. We say, thanks be to God, saying God has spoken to us and we're grateful. We'll kind of in a moment celebrate communion where we remember that we are welcomed into God's presence and as a community through the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And then we'll be sent back into the world with a benediction saying God is with you. Now go be salt and light in the world with the God of peace walking alongside you as you go into the world. And we'll say, and also with you, and we go out. This is every Sunday, a liturgy. You also have a liturgy every Monday. You have a liturgy every Tuesday. Every Wednesday, you wake up and you have patterns of life. Ways you think about what it means to wake up and and live into this world. You have ways of thinking about what it means to go to work, ways of thinking about what it means to relate to your coworkers or to your children or to your spouse or your roommates. You have ways about thinking about how to unwind and rest in the evening. You have ways of thinking about how to reflect on your day. You have ways of thinking about how to operate as a husband or a wife or as a parent or whatever it might be. There are ways that we can operate in the rhythms of life The habits of life are actually embedding in you certain value systems and behaviors that are not always healthy. In fact, often they're not. So often in the Christian community, we'll come, we'll learn about God, and we'll hang out with the people of God, but we keep operating in these habits and rhythms that are reinforcing values that are contrary to the kingdom of God, contrary to the character of God. And so we wake up in the morning and we hop on the news and we get really anxious about stuff. And, and as we're anxious about it and frustrated, we'll check social media and see what's going on. We compare ourselves to others and feel better than some people and worse than others. And then we go into the workspace and we're kind of doing it. Maybe we're kind of doing it the way everybody else around us does it, trying to claw our way up the ladder. And, and we're feeling frustrated because we weren't seen or noticed in a meeting. And so we felt like we needed to prove ourselves in this space. And so we kind of over-talked and over-explained or got defensive. And then you kind of walk out of that space and you come back at the end of the day and you're tired and you're kind 
kind of overwhelmed about day and you, you're kind of edgy with your spouse and you don't have enough energy to hang out with your kids. You eat food, but you're kind of tired. Kids go to bed, sit down, watch TV, have a drink to take off the pain, go to sleep and do it again. What is that going to form in you? Is that going to help you be conformed to the image of Christ? Those liturgies are shaping something in you. Those practices are shaping something in you. And you come back to church on Sunday and you hear a sermon and you're like, that's what I want. And there's this huge gap between what you state as your values and what you want to be and your behavior. And it would actually require a lot of intentionality to rearrange the liturgies of your life, the practices of your life, to actually be the kinds of practices that would actually be productive in forming you into the kind of person you want to be kind of person God's designed you to be, the kind of person he wants to form within you. And so there are practices. It means what does it look like to wake up in the morning and the first thing to give thanks to the God who gives you breath. Thanks to the God who's with you mercifully. Thanks to the God who caused the sun to rise again. And remember his faithfulness is like the sunrise that comes up again and again and again every day that his mercies are new every morning. And he's with me today and to slow down and enjoy his presence and receive his love so you can walk into your day and to maybe create some rhythms on your way to work to kind of tune your mind instead of clawing your way up the ladder to say, how can I see my vocation as a chance to love and serve humanity and to love and serve other people and to love and serve my coworkers and respect and honor the different people around me, to be receptive to the ideas and the thoughts of my teammates and bring their ideas to the table so we can do something healthy and productive for humanity and serve the world through the gifts God's given me. And to reflect on your day and to go into kind of the end of the day and say, apart from the day, the the big wins at work or the big failures at work, I'm going to trust God with those, and I'm going to learn from them. I'm going to let him shape me through those, and I'm going to show up and say, God, give me energy to be present with my family. Give me energy to be present with my kids, to love and to serve and to honor and to respect and to encourage. Give me the energy to do that. Maybe at an end of a day like that, you're less emotionally and spiritually exhausted and depleted. You have some time for a healthy conversation. Maybe at the end of the day, you do something like a prayer of examine and reflect on your day. Where did I see God at work today? Where did I really mess up today? God, forgive me for that. Help me make that right. God, help me even as I rest to trust you with the world and release the burdens I don't have to carry. And then you go to sleep and you wake up the next day. Do you know if you did that for a couple decades? Ooh. Some of the most mature and healthy people I know are people that have been walking with God for decades, decades, with failures, setbacks, brokenness, pain, regrets, but they have continued to pursue the presence of God, and God has formed something so beautiful within them. You know them when you're around them. There's a sweetness, a tenderness, a humility, and a grace. There's a kindness and a gentleness, like all this evidence that the Spirit of God is in this person that Christ has been formed within them. And it's beautiful. That's who I want to be. I think that's who you want to be. What would it look like to actually organize your life around that? Say, God, I want to be someone who's saturated with your word. I want to be someone who's walking with brothers and sisters in Christ that can encourage me and challenge me. And I want to be somebody who's rearranging the, the habits of my life to be the kinds of habits that can keep me in your presence, attentive to your nearness and grace and presence in my life. And do you know if you do all of that, then in 2023, you will be a perfect, mature human being. No, you won't. You'll still be weak. You'll still make mistakes. You'll still have setbacks. There'll still be immaturities. That the process of spiritual formation is a lifelong process. And God leads us into new spaces year after year. And a lot of the ways he does that 
in my own journey is through my, my deepest failures, the moments where I feel most overwhelmed, the moments where I feel least in control, the, the times where life took a turn that I did not expect and I didn't want, the, the times where I just feel confused and overwhelmed and desperate, the times where I feel really weary and defeated, the times where I feel stuck and I'm pleading with God, it's in those moments, it's in the pain moments, it's in the hard moments, it's in the challenging moments over the long haul of life that God is doing beautiful work, that the fruit of the Spirit has grown in the womb of adversity, and there are certain types of fruit that only grow in the valley. And so what if at the outset of 2022, instead of saying, here's all the things I want to accomplish, here's all the things I want to do, here's all the vacations I want to go on, what if one of the fun, which do that stuff, fine and good, but what if the fundamental desire is, God, I want to show up in this year with an attentiveness to your presence, with an openness. I want to actively pursue you, but I want to surrender to what you have in store for me this year. And I'm going to learn to anticipate that this year will have challenges that I would not have expected, that there will be pain points and failures and regrets, that there will be moments I'm brought up against my weakness and I'll feel so overwhelmed and confused and disoriented. And God, help me then to keep leaning into your presence because that's where God forms the deepest stuff within us. And if you walk with Jesus imperfectly like that, stumbling your way, crawling forward day in, day out for decades, you will find yourself becoming the kind of person that says, I can stand here and I can be a human being with weakness, with sin, with brokenness, and I can be honest about that, but I can also be someone that's full of the fruit of the Spirit, full of love, full of joy, full of peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the kinds of things that when you live a life like that, shine in transformative ways into the world. And so what we're going to do over the next couple weeks, again, Joel will talk about the, the role of the Holy Spirit in our life to bring power into our life for this process of formation. And Chris, two weeks from now in the Highlands here, will be talking about what does that mean then for the way we operate in the world? Has it changed the kind of people we are towards our neighborhood, towards our city? Instead of actually engaging in the world in ways that make us feel better than other people around us, what would it look like to be humble, gentle, loving, kind, compassionate, truth-loving people in the world that can engage in thoughtful ways? If God were to grow us in those ways, we would be a transformative presence. And our kind of pastoral word to you going into this new year is that is our heart's passion for this community, is that Christ would be formed within you that you would grow into mature followers of Jesus that could shine the light of Christ into a world that desperately longs and needs to know him. Let's pray together. And Jesus, we need you now. Uh, we need your grace and your spirit at work in our lives to reveal to us areas where we have been conformed to the world, and to give us the strength and the power to turn, to repent, to become those who would be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the renewal of our mind, through the love of your community, and through these spiritual acts of worship that you would help us to become more and more like Jesus. And we need you for this. And so would you help us even now uh, to trust in your grace and your presence, to trust in your nearness and your mercy, to marvel at your faithfulness to us, even in our faithlessness, even in our wandering and our stumbling, even in our failures, 
Your mercy is new every morning. So even as we celebrate communion, remind us of your sacrificial, atoning love that's secured us so beautifully in this relationship with you. And so we give you thanks for it. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening. Park Church exists to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and for the joy of all people. If you enjoyed this, make sure you share it with someone. We'd also love to hear from you on social media at Park Church Denver. Lastly, more resources and info are available online at parkchurch.org. Peace and love.